Sportsnet 5.9 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. I bet you there's not much discourse around the Panthers goal song, whatever it is. Do we know what it is? I think you, honestly, not I, fair. I know they just played in a Stanley Cup final. You could have yeah. just stopped it. There's probably I, not discourse yeah. about the Panthers. Uh, I, I think that's fair. Carolina or Florida? Who has more discourse? Yeah. Carolina. Yeah. They're ripping Bryce Young. It's a lot to talk about. Number one pick. Traded it away. For sure, Panthers yeah. of Carolina. Yeah, yeah, oh, I see. I was confused. <laughs> oh, okay. You're like, yeah, because Carolina also has a hockey team. I was right. like, how much discourse no, is around I, the Hurricanes? Yeah, the, I mean, no, they're decent at least. I, I was just doing Panther for oh, Panther. Th- there's no yes. question. It's yeah. the Carolina yes, Panthers. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Leafs Panthers. Sorry I confused you. Okay, I'm easily confused. Okay. Both of us, so it's a bad combo. Uh, Got to keep it <laughs> very much between the lines. Leafs and Florida Panthers tonight from uh, Sunrise, Florida, uh, an arena I've been in. I've been in all the, like, the Sunbelt arenas because that's where we would go see our Leaf games, mm-hmm. myself and, and my dad. Uh, I would go to what was Phillips Arena to go see the Thrashers and oh, Leafs. Oh, yeah. Lots of good good seats available. So you must be excited about the potential Thrashers resurgence. Yeah, or, yeah, return. Let's give it another go. Third go <laughs> in, in Atlanta. <laughs> Uh, they sure. should be the flames. Just you, have two flames. Is it still the National Car Rental Center? In, I don't know. Honestly, like what? what is it? Who cares? Uh, the Leafs are in Florida tonight. Not even anyone in Atlanta. <laughs> Sportsnet 590, the fan, as the Leafs, um, yeah, they take their 2-1 and one record into this game, and Austin Matthews taking a one-game goalist route into this game. Uh, Elliot Friedman's 32 thoughts on Sportsnet.ca must read at any time. Mm-hmm. And... He had a couple of Leafs nuggets, the, the, the first of which is something that you maybe could have inferred and not surprising, but like pretty explicit. Uh, Matthews had wrist surgery in August 2021, but may have had another minor minor procedure in the summer of 2022 that robbed him of being fully able to train that offseason. Asked Wednesday, Matthews declined to discuss it, making it clear he, quote, wants to focus on the future, end quote, and Quote, not make any excuses for what happened last year. That's admirable. I get that. And, like, again, this is – there's a reason a guy goes from 60 goals to 40 goals and, yeah, despite the second most points in his career. Like, that was not the typical Austin Matthews we're used to seeing as far as the shooting percentage, as far as just the the, the dangerous looks offensively. Boy, it would have been nice to know. I don't know what the responsibility, what it says in the CBA, mm-hmm. and maybe it's only like in season that you have to disclose injuries or medical procedures. And I understand people are allowed to to have medical privacy, sort of, kind of. But boy, did we you... have a long conversation about that a couple of years ago? Yeah, and, and but being a pro athlete is different than just being you or me. Like, For yeah, sure. no one gets to know the the. In- incredible butt implants that I get. I was going to say, you've been telling me too much about your body. I'm sweaty you are, other things, I don't like it. That's for me to know, not you. But yeah, I I, I wonder what is incumbent on the the pro sports team to tell us because it would have been nice to know, you know, for people who do make futures wagers on point totals, gold under totals. I might have liked to know that Austin Matthews had a procedure last off season that might impact his goal scoring total. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting conversation. I think there's also one to be had about the timing of all this coming out now. I think that's interesting in and of itself, but in terms of the idea of 
leagues being in in bed with books, and I don't say that to mean a dirty thing. Guess what? They're in bed with Canadian Tire, too, and Sobeys and other companies that they take ad dollars from. That's how it works. But gambling has obviously been a uh, – it'll shock you. You may listen to uh, literally any podcast in the world. Gambling has had a massive injection in terms of content, the legalization of it, all of it. And it, with it being a more public thing – I think there is obviously a greater impetus. The biggest version of this is the NFL, which has an injury report, which, you know, some sometimes it is chicanery. Tom Brady was on it for the entirety of his career, even mm-hmm. when he was never going to miss the game. But you do have an injury report, so you can know about these things. But I think it's very different in the offseason. Yeah. I, I do. I think that season-long totals, all these things, they matter. People should, I understand the the argument if they feel like they had something hidden from them, but I think that we talk about it all the time with players not wanting to be targeted and not to say that Matthews would have been targeted. Guess what? They're going to be hacking at his hands because they don't want him to have the puck, so it, it's not to say that, but I, I can understand a, a player not wanting to go into it next season with a ready-made excuse out there or the idea of I am going to be lesser than this year, so I don't have a problem with it if it's out of season and staying under, under cloak have, and dagger. I'd love to have an excuse. Like I, I would. Well, that's the other thing I want to talk about <laughs> with all this is that the timing of like Austin Matthews is so much better person than me. Yeah. Because it now, correct me if I'm wrong, my read on this and, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend to know how reporting gets done at the level that Friedman does it or anything like that. But, you know, it's not lost on me that that story would make its way to Elliot Friedman or anybody else after Austin Matthews has a couple of hat tricks to start the season and it's seen as I'm not making excuses right. for myself, but, but mm-hmm. now that we see I'm right, this is what it looks like guys. So maybe y'all should have settled down. It, it does tell me a little something about the player that he tried to poo poo that story so much last year. Yeah. We, we saw a little bit of a report in the middle of the season last mm-hmm. year and but, he had the, he had the time off. He yep. took the time off around the all-star break. Yep. 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 But yeah, nothing explicit, but yeah, I, I, I would love to have everybody think, hey, oh, there's a reason why he stinks. Or, again, like, did not stink. Scored Mm -hmm. 40 goals. Mm -hmm. Had his second highest season-long point total in his career last season. But I would love for people to Uh, say, We should probably mention as well, scored five goals in the series they actually won for once. Yeah, right. No, that's an important context after having no goals in the five games against the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, pretty big part of beating... The uh, the lightning, but yeah, I I I like you would love for everybody to think that it was an incredible thing that I was overcoming just being mm-hmm. on the ice on a daily basis. So kudos to you, Austin does Matthews. It, like, does it tell you anything about the way he he's wired? I I don't know that I would. Again, I wouldn't begrudge him if mm-hmm. he went the other way. But does it tell you a little something that he doesn't want that? I mean, yeah, you know. And again, it's this is a little bit revisionist history. When a guy comes out to start the year the way he's looked, you're going to tell yourself all of this. But it does just seem like he is a, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, not that he's ever seemed to have lacked it, but it really just seems like a guy who is wholly at peace with who he is. I don't know if it's the contract. I don't know if it's the age. I don't know if it's that he's been in this one place for so long that he feels more sure of himself. I don't know what it is, but it really does just seem like the most, and again, this is not a player who's lacked for confidence, but it really just does seem like the most self-assured version of, of Matthews that we've seen. Yeah. It's a guy that knows he's been the best goal scorer since he stepped onto a national hockey league ice surface. He doesn't need for your perception to be altered. He'd like the proof is in the pudding. Like, and he knows when he's healthy, he's going to put up 60 goals, which he may this season as on pace for way more than that. Yeah, I do. I do also wonder, you know, the 
the idea of again it just it all goes back to perception but the idea that he just knows the year he he's about or he feels he's capable to have and and again i also wonder if part of it is that he didn't want it to be you know we nobody liked the way it ended last year against the panthers but with them getting over the hump it's like okay it can come out now because mm-hmm. we got over the hump so it's not seen as the reason why mm-hmm. you know we're having the conversation of oh they couldn't get past the lightning or whoever it would be again so i think i think it's all part and parcel but yeah it's, uh, it's certainly interesting with matthews for sure it is interesting it also okay listen i was going to move off of it but it's also interesting to know that it's something as concrete as whatever it was whatever the procedure was and and the way it was written again by elliot friedman was the procedure impacted his off-season training, not necessarily that it impacted his health during the course Mm -hmm. of the season, but you mentioned the time off. Like, yeah. How can it not have? Does make you wonder for a team that wasn't exactly battling to get into the playoffs, knew that they're... what their playoff destiny was going to be. And and sure, like you can't tell the player not to play if he feels like he's capable of playing and Mm -hmm. he was still capable of putting up 40 goals. But yeah, would they have been... You yeah, better no. serve to give him a longer look, um, yeah, to, to try and get back to 100% last season. I mean, they gave him three weeks off mm-hmm. towards the tail end of the year yeah. or close to three weeks, and he still couldn't get there. You know, the Leafs, they were comfortably in a playoff spot, but if you don't have Austin Matthews for, let's call it six, let's say they picked another three-week stretch to give him, all of a sudden you're scratching and you're clawing and it's just John Tavares up the middle. And, you know, if you're if if the impetus for that was we're going to make our Ryan O'Reilly trade even earlier than we did, then maybe that would have made sense. But I just think that given the way the roster was last year, what are you going to do, roll out David Camp to see? Mm. Probably mm. not. <laughs> Probably not. Anyway, it's incredible uh, fortitude. Just like, you know, so Austin Matthews gets through a season not at 100%, scoring 40 goals. Mm-hmm. It's I took a, a nine on the second hole yesterday and still bounced back with an 81. I'm really proud of you. I won't, uh, I won't, I won't uh, embarrass myself with the score, but I made triple on, on 17 the other day and then managed to par 18 to shoot my best round ever. So Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. So, yeah, we're the same. Us, uh, totally. Austin Matthews. Same. The Definitely exact same. same. Uh, so, Fraser Mitten. Getting... I mean, I'm closer to him than you. Mustache. Uh, I guess you're probably and, and taller. And my birthday is kind of close to his. I mean, I'm ancient compared to yeah. him. But same roughly time period there. And, I, and not Kawhi Leonard. I, I guess, but I'm like cooler. Like I'm as cool as him. I, I got to... I didn't want to bring this up, but I have said this to my wife. Uh, this is kind of mean, but we're going to do this here now. That I, I did say to her when they partnered the two of us up that yeah. I... Not that it was a definitive, but there was a chance I could finally be the cool guy oh. on a show. I've like worked so, with McKee so much. Wow. Or like I'm working with Bourne. Wow. And like, you know, I think I'm like maybe just a touch younger and cooler than Gord Stellick, but like Gordo's a legend. Yeah. And I I did say I did say to my wife when they paired us mm. up of that there's a chance I could be the cool one. Which really just says so many bad things about you. Yeah, that's really rude. Yeah. I'm glad you're in a spot where you could bring that to light. I didn't say it. I wasn't like, I'm working with this loser. uh, I'm going to be the cool one for sure. I didn't say that. Yeah. I said I had a chance. Yeah. Mm. Hit us up in the text line. 590, 590. Who's cooler? cooler? I don't have the guts to put up a Twitter poll, but yeah. No, I, and the best part is, is I don't have the guts for you two either. Both of us are (laughs) terrified. I would never describe myself as cool. It was a joke. Okay. I'm not cool. And I don't think you think you're cool. I I know I'm not cool. I just (laughs) might be just a little cooler than you. (sighs) 
Is it because I have two kids and you only have one? There's something to that, but I live farther into the burbs than you do. You're, <laughs> both live in the suburbs. Yeah, anyway. but you're like a touch closer. <laughs> okay, let's just leave it at neither of us cool, but I, I won't discount the possibility that you you are slightly cooler. I think, honestly, the edge, the edge might be given to you because of the age thing, that you're closer to like, yeah, yeah the but culture I'm, right but now. But I'm also closer to the grave. You don't know that oh. about me, but I'm so <laughs> close. <true>. Like <laughs> hanging on for dear life. Lifestyle-wise. But yeah. that makes you, that's a, oh, you're, that right. you're cooler. You're, like, yeah, what are you talking about? Right. Rebel without a cause? Yeah, but, it, but I'm not, it's not like he smokes 30 cigarettes a day <laughs> drinking Jack Daniels or whatever. It's just like, he's, he's Al Michaels and hates vegetables <laughs> and just drinks that's black cool. coffee. Like, interesting. Interesting, sure. cool. Is there a, is there a Anthony there? Bourdain, we are not. It's no. my go-to cool guy. Very yeah, cool. very, very cool. All right. Uh, Fraser Minton, is playing the piano cool? Because if it is, Fraser Minton, pretty cool. Learned that he, he plays the piano last broadcast that's on not, Sportsnet. That's interesting. It's not impressive. Cool? Can be cool. Mm. If, he, if he were to sit down and instead of giving me uh, Beethoven... He does like the really cool thing of, hey, I'm going to play Dr. Dre on the piano. Then, <laughs> cool. I don't know. Does Fraser Minton even know who Dr. Dre is? Great question. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, again, Probably 19. Not. Just turned 19. Probably Damn watched it. the Super Bowl last year. Who? Oh, oh, get yeah. these olds out of here. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Man, is there never God, any I, indication that, that we we're are not getting cool. old? We are not cool. Then, like, the Super Bowl halftime show being for catered us. towards for us. us. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, I remember watching The Who and being like, oh, boy, they're yeah. really leading into the old people. It's yeah. like, now it's like music that, yeah. Yeah. I'm formative for me. Therefore. Yeah. yeah. I was there, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, a young whippersnapper, Fraser Minton, getting set to play his fourth game of his young career tonight. He made the road trip, uh, snuck into whatever establishment <laughs> they ate dinner at last night. We cannot confirm or deny, but I definitely <laughs> believe that happened. A hundred percent. Still looking for his first NHL point. Uh, he has a couple of shots on goal. He had a couple of, op- I think both of those came in the, the span of like uh, yes. 20 seconds. And Instant looks back to back. Yeah, yeah, he didn't quite get no. all of them, but whatever. They were they had to be stopped by a goaltender. This is a, a guy that um, I think we all, or, uh, everybody in this room at least, expects to go back to junior. But what does he have to do here to, to make that not the discussion, Brent? Yeah, the way I look at it is Pontus Holmberg is kind of the bar for him. They have a player sitting there who has played competent, at times strong, at times less so, middle ground of competent NHL minutes for them in Pontus Holmberg. And it's really a question of, it kind of goes back to the question you asked me in the first block about the line, or yeah, in the first block about the lines and the idea of what's more important, winning every single game and putting your absolute best line up there or experimenting and finding things out. And what's more important? If Frazier Minton is 1% better player than Pontus Holmberg, should you have him in the lineup this year? Because that gives you a better chance. But what if that takes away, you know, I'm just throwing random percentages here, but 5% from his development down the road and it's halting the player he could be. I think that is the question the Leafs have reg- regarding Minton. I, I think that given what we hear and, you know, even talking to Sam yesterday, Sammy cause about it, the, how high he is on the player. I am coming around to the idea that if he's, just a better option than Pontus Holmberg, I think you stick with him. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you have to stick with him for the whole year, mm-hmm. but you stick with him up to that at least 40-game mark and, and see what you've got. Not to say you have to, but you you have at least that much run road is the way I look at it because 
Pontus Holberg can come up at any given time. If they yeah. like, it's not easy. I understand the cap machinations, all that stuff. They can make it work to get him, or if they want Nick Robertson up here, if Minton go, goes back. So I think for me, I would like to, as long as you think he is giving you better minutes and a better option than Holmberg, I think you should stick with it. That that's the way I look at it. Where where are you at? Yeah, I, I he's not hurting this team right no. now. He's not hurting. Like we're not having the same discussions around Ryan Reeves and his limited ice time. Mm-hmm. That oh, okay, like well, the, there's a bunch of positive stuff that's not necessarily quantifiable. It's, it's, that you know, it is quantifiable. All the goals that go in on the Leafs net mm-hmm. when he's on the ice, and same with Jake McCabe. Like that's that's not happening to him. I, I just there's so many other questions about this this Leafs team that it it is kind of like. If he just holds his own there and, mm-hmm. and it's it's not a question um, and and you're fine with burning the first year of the ELC and going beyond the the nine games, I, I'm which I think I am mm-hmm. at, at this point in this team's development, I, I'd have him stick around. Because the, the, the secondary option is not that obvious. Although, like, if you are calling up Holmberg, it allows, like, we had this David Camp talk yep. off the top of the show about how his utility is being minimized mm-hmm. right now, which is taking defensive zone draws because he's playing in limited ice time on that fourth line. And you get him back in, you you turn that third line definitively into a punt line if that's where you're going with. Well, I mean, that's only, where you're at. only if Max Domi's not on it. This is like it all goes back to the Domi right. question because I, as good as you feel about Camp and Yarncroke, do you want Domi on that line if that's the way you do it? And it, you, again, we talked about it. you definitely don't want him on the fourth line if that's like Gregor, Holmberg, and Reeves or something like that. So it all goes back to what what you do with Domi, because I think if you are open and willing and trying to do it, then maybe it does make more sense to have Minton be that guy because you can, you can actually look at, you can see the world where those two can click again. Minton's here because he plays a pro game, all that stuff, but he's also here because he has the possibility, the potential Mm -hmm. to show more than that. So I just, it, it all goes back to the one puzzle piece. And again, it's not because the player isn't good, but Max Domi is just the one guy that doesn't quite click with every piece I put together. Unless, unless, you give him a gold star and go put him up on the top line with Matthews and Martin. I mean, the way you position that and, and it's like, a, hey, a, a reward. Um, it does. Would it not feel like that? That has always been used as a reward. Michael mm-hmm. Bunting, if he looked to skew at an official for four minutes, would get immediately ripped off that line as how dare he. It was always seen as a reward. Well, and secondarily to that, a punishment to Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. Who I don't think has looked out of place on that no, top line. No, definitely not. And yeah. the, the other thing I should say about Bertuzzi as well is that you know, I don't know that it's as as overstated as it is with Domi, but Tyler Bertuzzi is not some defensive stalwart player either. I think sometimes no. people equate aggressiveness and meanness with defensiveness, and sometimes do the same thing, for sure. Go ask Chris Pronger, uh, but other times they don't equate at all. So the, uh, the idea of Bertuzzi, he can give you a little more of that running around. Obviously, he has a little more size, a touch more jam than Domi, but you don't want him in a defensive role with Kampf and Yarncroc either. Yes, speaks to the priority of the type of player that um, Brad for Living went out and yeah. got. Like it's it's Tyler Bertuzzi, young guy that can score thirty goals and had ten points in seven postseason games so last good. season for the Bruins, and it's Max Domi who, yeah, can can contribute offensively, but like a, a very much a defensive liability. And it's yeah, John Klingberg, a guy that's gonna quarterback your top power play unit and rack up some points and and move the puck on the back end. But again, a defensive liability. It's, uh, it's 
it's very interesting, you know, like we've spent a lot of time talking specifically about the decor and how porous it is and how we all expect there to be an addition there. But you're right. When you lay it out that way and I, I one day I'll stop doing Leafs and Jays comparables. It really is like the exact opposite. It's like, all right, we're just going to get right. guys who can be all sandpaper and offense. And if they could play any D, ah, great. Yeah. If not, we'll figure it out. And Hopefully they can figure it out better than the Jays figured out offense. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, mixed results through the first three games. Games uh, Game number four tonight from uh, Sunrise on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. The Winnipeg Jets, it, it, people need to be reminded, did make the playoffs last year. They were summarily dismissed, and boy, were they yeah, Josh Norrissey. They were pumping his tires all year long. <laughs> they, they were. There were some ugly comments that came out of that postseason series. God bless like, bonus. Yeah, like you maybe preferred to have not made the playoffs if that's <laughs> the indictment uh, of your players you're going to get at the end of the season. But they made the playoffs. What did he say? Was he like disgusted oh, or something like, along yeah, those lines? I forget like, what it was. I, I don't know. It was but something ripping. along the lines of like, I'm glad this is over. Like these guys what. don't deserve harsher <laughs> than soft and purposeless. Definitely. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it's rough. They also re-signed some key cogs this offseason. Yeah, the, two, the yeah. two key cogs they have left. I and Yeah, so that was a positive news story going into this year, although the expectations obviously limited considering the season a year ago. On Tuesday against the Kings, mm-hmm. they drew fewer than 12,000 fans. That's not, ju- not the Kings. Yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois' return. Not just not the Kings. Yeah. The guy, like, I don't know, maybe maybe they're too hurt. I can't, I can't go boo him. I'm too hurt to mm. look at him. Oh, I remember what it's like when guys come back here. A lot of people buy tickets to boo. No kidding. And and I get it. It's a small building, which means that it's more yeah. likely to be filled. And mm-hmm. if you're just going from, it, it's early and a lot of, it, there's a couple of teams that haven't even played home games yet, but like percentage of capacity, yeah. the Winnipeg has had the slowest start ticket sales to start the season. Is there their smallest non COVID crowd <laughs> since they got the team back after the thrashers couldn't make it work time number two in Atlanta for a place as passionate about hockey, which I know Winnipeg is, I was born in Winnipeg. I forgot about this. Yes. I, I moved when I was three years old. So I don't exactly have my finger on the pulse of of, of, of Winnipeg. But yeah, I, I I certainly know that they like their hockey in Winnipeg. And they were devastated mm-hmm. when that team left the first time. And boy, who doesn't remember the celebrations in the street when, totally. when they were coming back? The whiteout. Yeah, all that stuff. For them to be as fickle seemingly and like this is going to sound like dumping on fans i know how expensive it is to go to a national hockey totally. league game i don't take my kid to a bunch of them but yeah i also understand the dynamics of of pro sports as well that this is a reality that when you're looking at a market the size of winnipeg it's mm-hmm. it's why the jets left in the first place if you're not packing that building not like in the midst of a rebuild, like in a season in which you're not sure where you're going one way or the other, and they're not going to be the worst team in the National Hockey You're having 11,000 people early in the season too. I, that's that's jarring to me, Brent. That is that is shocking stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you can look at it any other way, quite honestly. I mean, you know, again, to all the points you laid out, it's expensive. Times are tough. For sure. Of course. 
this is what it is, though, if you want to be a National Hockey League team. I was about to say National League because we got Shaman O'Brien coming on later. Yeah. If you if you want AHL ticket prices, you should bring back the Moose, yeah. and they should play there, and you should love them, and you should support them, and they should move the Jets somewhere else. I'm I'm sorry. I understand the idea of a rebuild, and it's tough, and I am the last guy. I loathe how many American teams we have and how it is they are trying to shoehorn every American market ever, and they have an NHL rink in Quebec City. But guess what? This is why there's not a team in Quebec City. We heard it when the Jets first went there, the lack of corporate money. Say what you will about the Leafs, and boy, oh boy, do I have my problems with the fact that it's a Bay Street board meeting down in the 100 level most of the time. But the reason it's sold out all the time, yes, everyone loves it, and yes, it would sell out if tickets were available to the general public as often or as willing as you'd like. But guess what? The reason it's sold out all the time, and there's a floor, is because there are season's tickets bought up by corporations, bought up by brokers, bought up by whatever. And guess what? In a market like Winnipeg, that stuff just doesn't exist. So I can sit here and wring my hands and say, ah, we had to go to Seattle. We had to go to Vegas. Oh, yeah, hockey hotbeds. Great job. How can I say otherwise when the hottest of hockey hotbeds yeah. looks like that? And to your point, this isn't a teardown year where everyone understands the plan and you go, okay, we'll, we will be back in spades in a couple of years. The pain has yet to come mm-hmm. for this Jets team. And uh, shout out Babcock. Boy, it's coming for this for this Jets team. So I don't know. And again, throw in the Dubois of it. Again, maybe, maybe they're too spurned by him. There's a lot of people here who would buy tickets to boo Vince Carter, boo whoever, boo whoever. And it's just... It's mind-boggling to me, quite honestly. When I got the team back and I saw that scene um, and the the celebrations that were taking place, hockey, NHL hockey returning to Winnipeg, I thought there would never be a day where they wouldn't sell out the joint, especially honestly. because it's the smallest building in the NHL too, right? Like outside of Arizona, where 5,000 fans or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a very small building, which is also leads to the point about, yeah, the the there's a cap on how much you can make as far as gate receipts because physically human beings well, can get in league there. it's a league as well. That's, yeah. the other, that's the other part of this as well. I don't know how much people care about the Jets' finances and <laughs> this keeps up. You won't have to care about them at all, but it's a gate league and especially for a team like that that has less gate to grab at and it, it just, it's tenfold, right? You sell that little, you're selling less merch, you're selling less concessions, you're making less money and man, I don't know, like I don't know how much people care about that, but it yeah. is dire in Winnipeg. 11,000 fans that's that that is a panthers type crowd i want i mean they're gonna outdraw that tonight well obviously the leafs yeah, outdraw that say. anywhere they anywhere go, obviously oh uh, that well don't worry they'll have at least one sellout this year yeah it's gonna be better than that i mean yeah maybe maybe the time of the year it, it plays into it but that was that was just jarring to see all right jarring to see austin matthews not score a goal on monday what, what, what happened there i don't know it's really weird. Uh, still sitting in the National Hockey League lead with his six, uh, trying to add to that total tonight against the Panthers. We'll talk to Leafs historian Damian Cox next Ooh. as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Ooh. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good 
Big Show Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Toronto Maple Leafs back to work today. Their first road game of the season, starting a season-high five-gamer in Florida, in Sunrise, Florida, against the Panthers tonight. Uh, Lightning on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday. Tonight's game on Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, our next guest is a Toronto Maple Leafs historian. His newest book, co-written with Gord Stellick, Revival, the chaotic, colorful journey of the 1977-78 Toronto Maple Leafs coming out later this year. It is, again, the Leafs historian, Damian Cox. Hello, Damo. How are you, Ben? I, I, I'm just... You know, I, 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 really what it's about is I worry that, you know, that there might be a day off for Gord, you know, between his all his various functions and the responsibilities. And so it's important that I keep him busy. So really, it's more of a make-work project to uh, keep Gord, Gord busy than it is, you know, being a lead historian. But I appreciate the introduction anyways. Well, and the good thing is with Gord is you could just kind of like he's constantly in storytelling mode. So you could just like kind Correct. of attach a tape recorder to him and it's basically an audio book already. That, well, that's the great part about it as well. Absolutely right. And as long as you understand about 75% of the stories are true and the other parts, <laughs> they kind of change and, and, they, and they get, usually they get more interesting though, which, yeah. is, which is a good spot. So uh, this was actually because this one, uh, because he was there, he was part of it um, back in the day. Um, so um, I think this one is very near and dear to Gord's heart. Has anyone started calling you Leafs historian outside of our conversations? Because it was, okay, for people behind the, like the peek behind the curtain, uh, my former producer, Mike Gentili, was the first one that wrote it in my lineup. And I was like, oh, that's, that's let's start calling Damian Cox the Leafs historian. I can't wait for like the next time you're a talking head in some documentary to, for you to be fonted as Leafs historian. Yeah, well, it happens a lot on the street. Uh, you know, I walk around the streets of Toronto, but that's usually because I'm wearing a hat and a T-shirt that says in big letters, Leaf Historia. Yeah, I figured. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, when it, when people start calling you, you know, names like that, it usually just means you're getting old. So yeah. um, that's okay. That's Sorry about that. All right. Uh, youthful <laughs> Leaf Historian Damien Cox. There you go. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, you have a pretty good handle on the, the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews, six goals uh, through three games. He's now killing penalties this season. Um, he's already, of, of course, what, uh, top six, I think, in, in franchise goal scoring. I mean, how close are we to definitively calling him the best player in the history of this franchise? Pretty close. Pretty close. Um, I mean, I, I I have felt for some time he would be the, the greatest Leaf ever drafted. Now, a lot of the better Leafs were never drafted by the Leafs, so that's a bit of a qualification. But, you know, when he, when he hit 300 goals earlier this season, and, and I really think that given the trajectory, given the, the nature of who he's playing for, one of these days, depending on what Alexander Ovechkin does, um, you're going to see him challenging that record too. I mean, he's a goal-scoring machine. Um, he's big, he's consistent, he's durable, he's all those sorts of stuff. So, you know, things, I mean, it's funny, the the whole, I I found it really interesting during the summer when they're, you know, figuring out the the contract extension, that there wasn't the angst among Leaf fans expressed that, are they going to get him signed, that I thought there would be. I mean, this guy is probably going to be the best to ever play for the team. And people were like, yeah, I hope they get him. You know, hopefully. If not, hopefully they get something good for him. Uh, you know, it's, it's this 
the the quality of talent they have on this team in their in their core is arguably the best they've ever had. And I and you and I have talked about this before, Ben. It's like people are oddly ho hum about it. I guess because the team has not had a long deep playoff run, but. I mean, this guy's a superstar. He's one of the top five players in the NHL. And, you know, and pretty much every night he's pretty good to watch. Yeah, 115 goals behind Sundin for most in Leaf history there. So it is uh, it's certainly not far off. Kind of crazy to say about a guy who has played 484 games. And uh, yeah. Sundin did it 981 there. Uh, while we're talking about how special he is, let's talk about the duo there. I mean, again, a lot of good players on this Leaf team. But I think that when people look back on this Leaf era, there's going to be many things. But it's going to be those two faces that stand out in Matthews and, and Marner. What have you made of them being stapled at the hip together this season? It's always such a, uh, well, I don't know how fun it is on any given time, but it's always a big topic of conversation of who is going to be riding shotgun, whether uh, with Matthews, whether it be Marner or Nylander. Yeah. I mean, I watched Neil or Marner on Monday night and I find him more puzzling at times than, than Matthews. I think because they play a very different game. Uh, uh, To me, Matthews is a far more consistent player. And that's not really a slam at, at Marner because I think Matthews is one of the most consistent players in the league. But there are, it, it's like, you know, Marner is more of a trickster out there. You know, he steals pucks. He does things that other players wouldn't do. And there's nights where it, it just it isn't working, and he does not look very good. And I think one of those things, one of those games was the other night. But, you know, together, they are, they are pretty fabulous uh, a lot of the time. And I think, you know, look, they've got stuff to prove, um, you know, not just in the postseason, but... Matt Marner's got to, um, you know, he's got his own contract going forward to worry about his own financial future and his own place in the, in the NHL, as does Nylander. Um, so um, all these guys, I think that's probably a good thing for a team to have these guys not all locked up yet in, ter- in terms of their motivation. But I don't know what motivates a Mitch Marner at this time of his career. He's already impossibly rich. And that's I guess thing. it's to be, yeah, I mean, I guess it's to be, better and to be recognized and you know i i suppose that i i don't know him well but you know that he is in matthew's shadow to some degree and maybe that's something for him that he'd like to emerge but I, I, again you know when i hear lee fan oh they haven't won this and we went through this well we talked about this in the spring are they going to break up this group no they're not going to break up these group because he's gonna, the best players they've had mm-hmm. in the past you know half a century they just got to figure out a way to compliment them with enough of our other guys can help them win well we were talking about it earlier they, they've comp- complimented them this season with a bunch of guys that are, are supposed to help this team score goals but not necessarily defend in their own zone and early returns that's that's played out I- exactly the way you might have expected it to maple leafs win two games in which austin matthews scores hat tricks uh they don't win the game where he doesn't and yeah it's 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 yeah, he's he's gonna probably be closer to the sixty goal guy than he was last year, and and a forty goal guy. Uh, that that feels like kind of necessary with the way this team is built this season, Damian. Yeah, and and you know they've got lots of firepower, and it just yeah, some of the guys aren't going. And I look at the guys they've added, particularly Bertuzzi and Domi, and they just don't seem to be fitting right now. Um, and that makes sense, right? You know, you, you screw around and during the preseason, which no one cares about, um, and then you just go, okay, now we got to put our team together. Maybe that's what's good about a five-game road trip now. 
they can sort of do that more in earnest, particularly after a bad showing the other night. But right now, I mean, Domi in particular does not seem to have a spot. You know, it's not sure where he's going to fit. Um, so they've, they've got to find him a playmate and someone he can complement with. To me, he's kind of in the spot where Alex Kerfoot was. And Kerfoot, despite not being, you know, his warts was, he, he brought pace and intensity to that team pretty much every night and some scoring at times and some versatility, which are the kinds of things I think they're hoping to get from, from Domi. So we'll see what happens there. Bertuzzi, you know, he's, he's an interesting guy um, because he's not the fastest guy in the league. He's not the biggest guy in the league. He doesn't have the big shot. He doesn't, he's, he, he's kind of greasy the way he plays. He's got that weird stick. Um, and so far, mostly what I've noticed is some, a couple of offensive zone penalties 200 uh, feet from his net. But he does get in front of the net and clog him up. So he would be a guy. I mean, I know everybody thinks that Ryan Reeves is going to go out and beat up Matthew Kachuk tonight, which isn't going to happen. But anyway, um, uh, like tonight is the game where you want to see from Bertuzzi the elements of his game that the Leafs could have maybe used more in that series against the Panthers last year. So tonight's a really good test for Bertuzzi. Um, and then as a group, 12 forwards, some of them are going to have to come back and play on their own end sometime, right? There, there's like a law that they have to come back, and maybe tonight's the night they start. Yeah, it'd be as good a good a time as any. I'm sure Sheldon Keefe would would be on board with that. And it's it's funny you mentioned, so. yeah, it's funny you mentioned the the Domi Kerfoot thing because it's obviously not a one to one comparison, but I do think you can do a little bit of that with the upfront. Like obviously Bertuzzi has been brought in to be a bit of a bunting replacement, and Domi and Kerfoot different players, but he is kind of occupying that spot of all right, let's move around until we find a find a spot yeah. uh, a spot that sticks you know uh, in terms of that in terms of finding the best version of this Leafs lineup how do you think the team should balance the idea of experimenting and finding what works best with making it a concerted point to not just have a strong regular season which I think we all expect them to have but to win the Atlantic I mean you know who knows maybe this is the year for the Sens or the Sabres or the Red Wings or one of those teams maybe Tampa and Boston hang on to be what they've been but this should be the Leafs division how do you think they should balance the idea of the the idea of winning as many games as they can with being the best version of themselves and experimenting as much as they can? I think you experiment. I mean, they're, they're going to make the playoffs, but the division is better um, as we're seeing. So, or at least chunks of the division are going to be better. So it's going to be more competitive. Winning or losing the division, I don't know if that's a priority. We've seen the Leafs, Leafs lose game seven on home ice when they had home ice. That hasn't necessarily been a defining thing for them. But, but I think, you know, finding a balance. We know this team will be different next April than it is right now. Um, my guess is Fraser Minton probably isn't going to be around by then, but you don't know. Um, you know, that's not a slam against him. Um, you know, I look right now at him and Matthew, Matthew Nyes, and I think, boy, these guys look like they've got lots of talent. But Matthew Nyes in particular, couldn't he use a bit of time in the, with the Marlies and get that part of his game going? And aren't there some guys there who are a little more, a little grittier and a little more experienced who could help this team in the bottom six? Like, I don't necessarily see those guys as bottom six guys. So they're going to move nice, I think, tonight and see where he fits in. So I think, yeah, experimentation is what you're going to do. Remember last year? And I remember Ben and I had this conversation early in the year. Was it, are they going to fire Sheldon Keith? This team is no good. And blah, blah. Well, they managed to turn that around. And, uh, you know, there, that's, that may happen again uh, this fall. 
But this team has gotten through so many changes. I was adding it up the other day from the 22 playoffs, which is only 18 months away. There's only eight regulars left from then. There have been so many changes over this team, and there were so many changes again this summer, plus a change of general manager, plus changes with the coaching staff. It's going to take a while. It just is going to take a while, and there's probably a few teams in the NHL that are saying that right now. Damien, I stand by my take. Uh, like by, by the end of October last year, when the Leafs were four four and two, that Sheldon Keefe was on the hot seat. Okay, that was a that was a real thing. I'm not going to back off that. And if the... Well, we got we got a segment out of it. Yeah, we sure did. Uh, we're gonna well, well, only one. You guys are slacking. You could have got a lot more than one out of that. It was it was it was tough times. Um, we had fun. Yeah, uh, they figured it out. And uh, yeah, of course, this Leaf team is going to figure it out. I mean, William Nylander doesn't need to figure it out. He's he's already. Figured Figured it out clearly uh, with six points as well through through three games this season. You're right. The Mitch Marner contract stuff is going to be super interesting next off season. But it's William Nylander time right now, and and it really does feel like Brad Tree Living is uh, is up against it as far as the decision making here. That it looks like Nylander is going to not come off his number, which appears to be double digits. I mean, would you give William Nylander what like eight times ten? Yep. I would. Um, uh, And and I think one of the things you have to figure out uh, when they're figuring out the math here is Tavares is going to come off of his big number in another year, right? So, plus he's getting older. I mean, I think he's been a really good, a a really good player for them. Maybe not what some hoped he would, but he's been really consistent captain, all those sort of, uh, all those sorts of stuff. But I think you're seeing every night. I mean, William Nylander, if, you know, where you want to rank players in the league, you, you could do wherever you want. But in terms of a, a dominant player, I mean, would you would you like – if you're a Leaf fan, do you want to see him playing for somebody else? No. Uh, making, making that money? Unless you get a, a huge return. And let's face it now, the, the timing doesn't really match up, right, anymore. Um, because he's not signed. They're not going to trade him at the deadline um, on a team that's hoping to win a Stanley Cup. So this thing is going to go to next summer, and you know it, it comes down to him. I think the money will be there, and it'll come down to whether he wants to be a leaf or, as we talked about with Marner, would he like to, you know, get out from under Matthew's shadow and go see somewhere else? There seem to be no indications that he's unhappy in Toronto, would like to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, the thing is with him, you know. I always find that I always go back to his dad and his dad moved around and his dad, you know, maximized his value as an NHL player as best he could. Um, and, you know, he's born in Canada, but he's Swedish. Like, you know, is he, is he welded to be in Toronto, welded to the Leafs to be in Toronto for his whole career? I don't know. Do you know these guys? No. I mean, I, I you know, so the money's going to be there and yeah, I'd give it to him. Um, because he's, lucky. He's, he's a fabulous offensive player. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good deal to be a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And while I was harsh on Sheldon Keefe at times, like I think generally the the like media being tough and the scrutiny being tough in the city is overstated. Like I, I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's generally like advantageous to play for the most famous hockey well, team in the National Hockey League. Well, and and look at guys come here 
at the end of their contracts mm-hmm. as a means of getting contracts somewhere else. Yep. Luke Shen did it. Yep. Ryan O'Reilly did it. Yep. Michael Bunting did it. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons players like to come to Toronto because you get so much exposure around the rest of the league and guys go, well, that guy could play for us. And, you know, so Carolina gives Michael Bunting $13 million. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and Luke Shen gets a new, I think he got three years from Nashville. I mean, it's it's a pretty good place uh, that that way, but just on your point on Keith, just to put us uh, where yeah. we were last year. Yeah. If they if they had changed coaches over the season, I would have thought, okay, that makes sense. Um, you know, new GM coming in. Um, I think he's got a lot to prove. Yeah. I think that because there's still a lot of people who believe he never would have been in the National Hockey League in the first time, um, if not for. Um, Kyle Dubas, and now Kyle Dubas is gone, so he's out there and. It just makes sense that if something were to go drastically wrong this season, he's there, right, to be uh, for Tre Living to make a first move. GMs like to have a guy they, you know, that sort of situation. So I think he's of all the Leafs and their players. I think it's Sheldon Keith who's most on the hot seat, which, as you pointed out, he was last year this time too. <laughs> Yeah, and at least he has the financial security if that ends up happening. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of decisions for him to be made uh, because uh, the, there's some pieces that don't have natural fits on this team. All right, yeah. uh, Damien, as the Toronto Maple Leafs historian, go back to updating the annals. Um, we appreciate <laughs> it. I'll do what I can. So much work to do to keep to keep Gord in the public spotlight. You know, <laughs> but I'll work at it. <laughs> See you, Damo. Yeah, uh, Damien Cox. Leafs historian, his newest book, again, with Gord Stellick, Revival, the chaotic, colorful journey of the 1977-78 Toronto Maple Leafs, and it comes out later this year. You don't know how big that was for me, because that was my audition to get in the room for the Northern Star Award. It is actually, like, you would think, you know, hosting a morning show on such a station as this would be career highlight. This is just a stepping stone to one day get to vote for the Northern Star. Yeah. I want to be in that room so bad. And every year when you're, like, promoting a Canadian golfer, uh, yeah. No, because even me and McKee had this conversation. Nick Mm -hmm. Taylor, it's incredible, but I, I, like... Very top of my head. I can't believe I'm doing this right now. But it's Shea Gilly. Everything that happened with FIBA and all that, I'd give it to him over Taylor. I would. Yeah. And getting, you know, down ballot NBA MVP yeah. award yeah. votes. That's so... Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it. But yeah. yeah. Well, they, but I, hey. Nick Taylor's going to be in the combo, though. And, but if I was there, it'd really be in it. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> hey, Damo, if you're still in the line. Uh, uh, also, quickly, Matthews Marner, interesting stuff always there. On the Nylander thing, I always hear this bandied about about his dad, and it is a fair point to bring up because it would it's who would him form his NHL career, of course. They're, they're different guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it seemed like at first maybe they were the same. Uh, Michael Nylander's career high in goals, different era, I understand, 26. He was yeah. around that 25, 26 mark a few times, so not to knock him at all, but... A 40-goal man is very, very different. And typically, if you're in that kind of mushy middle or middle six, you do have to move around to get paid. But if you're a true bona fide top six, not always the case. Well, and in the environment of the salary cap, it's so difficult to replace that. It's expensive. Ah, the money. I get it. Doing the finger thing. Yeah. Those guys, you can't acquire them. No. All right, I guess, yeah, the team who might sign uh, William Nylander in free agency would be like, we got one, but, like, that's not up. You can't just... No. Having $10 million in available cap space to hand William Nylander, that takes some maneuvering. It's going to look great next to Bedard next year. (laughs) That's scary. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't say that. No. All right. Wipe it from the record. (laughs) All right.
Time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book bet local. We start naturally with the Toronto Maple Leafs game tonight in Florida against the Panthers. And boy, let's keep track of this. How often the Maple Leafs are favorites this season. It's going to be all the time. Yeah, maybe not 82 games, but like maybe over, maybe un- over under games. right now, 72 games. The Leafs are favorite. over. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> over. Uh, public to- team that's good. Yeah. According to Las Vegas, the Toronto Maple Leafs should go 82-0. Anyways, they are uh, slight favorites in this hockey game. Minus 135. Panthers plus 115. The total, it's a lofty one. You you get the extra half goal here. It's a seven-goal total as it's likely that Sergei Bobrovsky gets the start against Ilya Samsonov. And, yeah, Bobrovsky is an up-and-down player. He's been down to, to start the season. Boy, I that's a lot. And and especially for a Leafs team that that is probably going to try and rein in things mm-hmm. on the defensive side of things, but uh, yeah, this this feels like a goal fest again. Panthers home opener, so I think it is a slow start to the game, and because of that, I'm going to take the under. I'm with you in that. Normally, for these two teams, you're thinking, okay, this is going to get to like five three or something mm-hmm. in along those lines. I just think the Leafs are going to be so locked in to be buttoned down, and I could see the Panthers coming out flat because, yeah, home opener, you should be shot out of a cannon, but uh, we just saw how that went the other night. And, you know, for what you say, say what you will about Leafs crowds. I don't know. The Panthers crowds are known for galvanizing yeah. uh, that, that group there. So that's kind of why I'm leaning the under. The home opener kind of tips me that way, honestly. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one for the Panthers to have their home opener against the Leafs yeah. where it's, yeah, okay. It, it's maybe. not tough at all. I think it's great. <laughs> we I'm, beat you. Yeah. They I'm, should start with Radko Gudis screaming. It should be him screaming on the Jumbotron, even though he's not on the team anymore. Yeah, sure. Um, the underdog is cashed in seven of the past eight meetings between these two teams. Again, the, so Leafs are going to be favored in a lot of hockey games this season, and you can make a lot of money betting on the underdog in most of their games this season. This might be one of those games, but uh, yeah, the loss on Monday maybe has them focused, and especially first meet, uh, meeting between these two since the postseason series. All right, and then uh, the Thursday nighter. Jag Saints in New Orleans. Uh, Saints with Trevor Lawrence's status in doubt. At last check, he was questionable. Mm-hmm. C.J. Beathard is the backup, and our boy, Oakville's own Nathan Rourke, mm-hmm. activated off the, the practice squad uh, not as the normal emergency quarterback. Like, he is mm-hmm. going to be on the 53-man roster. Uh, Saints minus one against the questionable Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. I, I Him not being definitively out has me with a Jags lean here. Yeah, I, I'm going to lean that way as well. I think that if if he was further questionable or doubtful, then obviously you think he's not going to play. I bet he gets in. I think he'll be good enough uh, to take care of a questionable Saints team. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, Greg Wyshynski has fielded many a calls about his top 100 players on ESPN, most notably not having Evgeny Malkin on it at all. We'll talk to him about that and, and where he ranked the Leafs in it as uh, the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.